All right, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast, and we have got an amazing episode lined up for you guys and gals today. I've got producer Adam and good friend of the show Mark swing by to discuss all things Star Wars. That's right, May the 4th is coming up, and it's the official Star Wars holiday, so I brought the guys on to share some of their first memories of the franchise, what they can do to fix it, because let's be real, the recent offerings from uh, Disney have not been up to par with what we are accustomed to, and all three of us give you our favorite moments from the film series. So, after this quick song from our good friend Bill Murray, I give to you Star Wars. All right, I've got producer Adam and the returning Mark joining me today to talk a little Star Wars. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Good. Excellent. Excellent. I can talk Star Wars. Star Wars is good. All right. So well, for it, that's for sure. And well, we are recording this on a Tuesday to put this out on uh, May the 4th, which has uh, become the unofficial Star Wars holiday. Am I right, Mark? I don't want you to shit all over me tonight. No, no, you're correct. Okay. I even have the day off work, but it's more geared to uh, see Guardians, not so much Star Wars stuff. So. Okay. I just want to make sure because uh, I brought you two on board because you guys are like the most knowledgeable Star Wars fans that uh, I do know. Plus, it's nice talking to you. So, um, we'll just uh, kick right off. Uh, Mark, I'll begin with you since uh, it's been a while. Uh, when were you first introduced to Star Wars? What's your first memories of it? So, you'll love this. No, I won't, but know. go ahead. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> you don't want to hear my story or my feelings? No. Um, so, as we all know, Star Wars came out in the summer of 77. And being a six, well, at the time six, they, um, my parents asked me, hey, what movie do you want to see this weekend? We can go to see the space movie or we can go see Benji. Well, as a kid, I didn't know what the hell Star Wars was. So I said, well, let's go see Benji. Well, that's a good so, choice. I didn't see Star Wars again until that winter when my aunt took myself and my cousin. And I was like, oh, my God, that was the best thing ever. Well, Mark, I'm glad you brought up Benji because, actually, I'm pulling the old rope. But we're going to talk about Benji today. Well, I, I don't remember what happened to Benji anymore. So. I forgot all about that being a movie <laughs> dog until yeah. just now. <laughs> I don't forget it now, trust me. Um, but, I mean, I think after that I'd seen the movie – Probably two more times in theaters. I got when I got my parents to take me to see it, and then we saw it the old drive, the old Melody Drive-in once. Um, now I know for me it was uh, when I seen it. I first seen uh, Return of the Jedi in '83 in movie theaters, but uh, this is before like the times of the multiplexes. So did uh, here in town? We live in kind of a smaller town in Ohio, which is devolved into a shithole, but. We'll talk about that another time. Did it open up, uh, like, in, was it May, or did uh, Springfield get it later on? I've always been curious about that. I'm, I'm pretty sure it did open in May. Oh, did it? Yeah, because I've got, um, I worked for Shakers in the uh, their offices for a while, and I've seen some of the old ad stuff, and I've seen May on their stuff. Okay. Because so. I know I, I read originally, like, there were some cities that didn't get it right away, and it just, like, 
because I know like with Jaws we discussed that in uh, the Jaws yeah. episode, but um, yeah. that they slowly rolled movies out. I was always just kind of curious to see how uh, big movies like that ended up, like when they finally got to Springfield. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out when, around the May time. Cool. Adam, first uh, memories of Star Wars? Uh, well, I think I originally saw it on VHS. Um, I don't know. It's probably six. Like six or seven. Mm-hmm. I, I think six is fine. Uh, my dad had actually uh, recorded it from uh, a VHS tape that he had rented from Blockbuster. So... <laughs> um, we got to watch uh, all of them that way. And, um, of course, I liked the lightsabers. That's my uh, fondest memory of mm-hmm. watching it the first time. It's like, oh, cool, lightsabers. Uh, and then the following year, uh, I got to see all them all in theaters because it was uh, the 97 May releases. So. Yeah. That was the first time I got to see uh, Empire and the original Star Wars in theaters was the, uh, the re-releases in 97. I know for me, I was just uh, 83... Uh, it seems like four, five, six, somewhere in that neighborhood of uh, when you're growing up is when you're introduced to it. It's usually you'll know whether you like it or not, at least from what I, I've i seen and observed. But, yeah, it was 83. I got to see Star Wars or Return of the Jedi in theaters, and I was hooked after that. It's really interesting as I thought about, you know, you come up with this question, and being our ages are so varied to see what when you guys saw it. It's really interesting. Adam got it in '97, so you had the you got the special editions then. In theaters, yeah, I got. Uh, I I watched the originals uh, first on VHS before I got to see the special editions. But yeah, I think I remember the special editions more than I do the theatrical releases. Yeah, I mean, I I saw. I think any time they re-released Star Wars, I saw it in theaters. Like I saw it at the. I know I saw Empire at the mall when it opened. Mm-hmm. And then I saw um, Return of the Jedi the day it opened with my dad um, in 83 at the State Theater because okay. my cousin was graduating high school at the time, so I just that day sits. So, yeah, you probably said, fuck that graduation. We're not going to see Return of the Jedi. That's what I would well, have said. We, we did that first, <laughs> and then we showed up. So, but uh, You know what? They hand out diplomas. Well, some of the smarter kids give speeches. It's really – it's. A lot of pop my, and circumstance. My dad was good at like taking me to movies, except for the one time he took me to see Conan and the Barbarian. <laughs> Walked out of there and went, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have taken him to see that one. <laughs> uh, I was twelve at the time. <laughs> uh, it's all right. I've we've we've let our kids watch uh, movies uh, a lot. Like you know, like my son's a big horror movie fan, and he's seen lots of stuff that he probably shouldn't have as he gets older. But you know what? Fuck it. Sure, you're going to show him Conan tomorrow then, huh? Nah, he probably won't be yeah, really interested in seeing Conan. He's not really a sci-fi kid, so. Got to introduce him to Arnold somehow, I guess. Oh, he's been introduced to Arnold, but just I don't think he gives a shit about Conan the Barbarian. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I think sweaty dudes in loincloths and swords is, isn't his bag. Okay. Well, I mean, he did. He, uh, if he doesn't still, anyways, I, I remember he did used to like the WWE, so. He doesn't even <laughs> like that anymore. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Um, Those are sweat loin cloths, basically, so. Um, well, you, yeah, for sure. But, but yeah, he's not into that anymore either. It's just, uh, he's kind of like a tween, so it's like, uh, 
you know, wrestling kind of kind of sucks. I don't want to see a bunch of dudes swinging swords with like loincloths. Not his thing. He'd rather see like the Evil Dead Rise, where it's just like gallons and gallons of blood being sprayed all over people. That's more his bag. I like that. Yeah, I can like that. Well, uh, as we, uh, you guys both told me, uh, you're around the age of six when this came out. But uh, Mark brought up an interesting point. It seems like it's been in various stages throughout the releases that we've all been had the experience of Star Wars. Uh, why? What's the appeal of this franchise 46 years after its release? I've been kind of curious, like, because it seems like it still has incredible staying power, but uh, what, in your guys' opinion, makes it so beloved all these years later? Mark, I'll let you lead off. Um, I mean, for, for my era, it was the mystique of it all, you know, because it was new. I mean, the, whole, the concept of the Force was... You know, it was, it was that fantasy. It was also, like, at, at the time, it was a classic um, the hero goes after the girl sort of story, which, of course, you know, it's a little convoluted now, but in the 70s, it's, you know, Luke was saving the princess. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, it was like, oh, Luke's going to hook up with the princess, you know? But we all know that's Thank not God he did. That's not going to go that way, so... Which is somewhat disappointing in 83, but it's like, okay, whatever. We like Han too, so. And I, I know staying power. I mean, I I work with a lot of varying ages, and some people just don't get it, or they do. So it depends on how they're introduced to it. So. Well, Adam, what are you, what about you, man? Uh, what's made Star Wars such a lasting piece of pop um, culture f- since 1977? Well, uh, for kids. At least for when I was a kid, you know, like I said, I liked the lightsabers. That was cool, you know. Uh, the lasers are cool. The giant ships are cool. Kids like it because you know it's uh, it's cool. I think on a deeper level, though, um, for staying power, it's um, even though there's lots of like mystical stuff in it, people relate to it on a human level because. Despite all of the uh, drama and all of the backstory and all of the uh, the force and the the war, it's it's about people and how they react to the world around them and the good guys versus the bad guys. You know, uh, the the empire is based off of the Nazis, so you know, like you know, they're the bad guys. It's it's black and white, mm. you know, good versus evil. And I think people gravitate towards that, and they can relate to that. And it's kind of a uh, it's captivating to see the underdogs come out on top and beat the bad guys. You know, mm-hmm. so. that's kind of what I was getting ready to say with uh, like the story of Luke. It's just the fact that it's like a boy who wants to grow up and find his own way in the world or in the universe. Star Wars, and I think, like, everybody can relate to that at some point or another. And plus, as a kid, like, yeah, like, I was drawn to the you know, like the ships in outer space. and Plus, being a movie fan, even to this day, it still combines so many of my favorite genres. It's like, yeah. it's Western. It's You've got uh, fantasy. you got sci-fi. I just think all those elements blended in. It just, I think it, it speaks to, like, anybody that's a fan of movies. And plus, it still looks fucking amazing all these years yeah. later. I mean, granted, there's movies that do it better now, but, I mean, it still holds up incredibly well, special effects-wise. Yeah, and 
I was talking about this uh, to uh, somebody earlier this week, how like special effects when when they weren't just all CGI, uh, cinematographers and and, and uh, effects artists and everything, they they used practical effects really well. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost magical how they made it look so phenomenal, even though they didn't have the kind of technology they had today. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think like it, I still find that the the making of the movie just still fascinating and like there's been times where i'll still find myself like gravitating towards that rise of the it's the rise of the empire was that Mm -hmm. documentary came on the special edition dvds yeah Yeah, i i watched that from time to time i think i've seen it like three times Mm. yeah it's an incredible documentary it's i think it's on disney plus now yeah it is yeah but yeah it's incredible seeing them put this whole universe together and like it's not even I mean, of course, now it's been cleaned up with computers. But, yeah, just they did it the old-fashioned way, and it looks the way that it does. Yeah. yeah. Then the Mandalorians also brought in a whole new, like, generation of people to watch this thing. Yeah. Because um, they know how to keep their audience. They do. Mm. I mean, even, even the bad stuff, they know how to keep their audience. All right. Even though if you guys haven't finished the third season of Mandalorian. We're not talking about the Mandalorian here, Mark. It's, it's still Star Wars. I know, I know. I'm just saying that that it, like, even the last, like, this season's more rooted to the hardcore Star Wars fans and not so yeah. The, yeah, the casual fan. You have to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes that plays to uh, plays to a fault. Um, sometimes it it plays in their favor, but you know. Well, um, what do you guys think? Uh... Star Wars, like, what impact has uh, that movie had on the film industry as a whole? I was, uh, I know when we were talking about doing this episode, that was one of the things that you brought up, Adam, was mm-hmm. kind of its impact on uh, movies. So, I mean, Adam, what what's the biggest impact that Star Wars has had on the film industry? Um, if you've seen any uh, documentaries about the time it came out and the kind of impact it had on the time, like, movies were kind of uh, dire, um, they kind of had a, a downbeat to them, and Star Wars was like one of the first uh, upbeats in a really long time. It brought back uh, traditional filmmaking in a sense, and the epics, you know, one of those things that brought about summer blockbusters and classical music uh, scored in a film. That hadn't been a thing for a really long time before Star Wars. It kind of fell out of favor for more traditional soundtracks, and uh, now we have plenty of orchestrated films like that it uh kind of propelled sci-fi into the mainstream sci-fi was kind of like a saturday morning serial kind of thing and they were like for the most part pretty like pretty shitty looking too yeah for sure i mean we had some other kind of films like uh war of the worlds and, and things like that but they were kind of um they were okay they weren't epic they always had a moral to the, moral to the story like star wars did but they didn't hit that note that Star Wars did. I think Star Wars did everything right. Uh, it gave some people that kind of thing where they were hopeful again, I guess, um, just because of the the times, the politics and everything like that. I think that uh, movies at that point were a good escape. So having that kind of element of fantasy in there really drove it home and, and made it that blockbuster that it, it was. And that's kind of the way that the film industry went, uh, kind of an escapism, especially with uh, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It, it, showed a lot of, it, it showed a lot of the filmmakers that they could do more 
yeah. you know, just visually that, okay, so we can make this story possible now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it be at the time, whether it be Superman, Richard Donald did that, you know, um, uh, Ridley Scott with Alien. Uh, yeah. You're also talking about uh, the, the Star Trek film, which, while it's not the best movie, but, I mean, they it helped the effects quite a bit, so... Yeah, it really did usher in, like, sci-fi being, like, a very viable, like, j- movie genre that, like, you could, like, market to a mass audience. And like you said, Adam, too, I noticed when I was researching this that it kind of started in, like, with Easy Rider and just kind of progressed throughout the 70s. Like, it's, like, my favorite era of movie making. Just, like, I find so many, like, fantastic movies from the 70s. But that era of movie making was fucking grim. I was, like, rattling off, like, yeah. Taxi Driver... Uh, mean Streets, The Godfathers. I mean, just a very dark period to be a movie moviegoer. And then, yeah, Star Wars was, like, just kind of this, like, ray of light that came through and kind of harking back to, like, the old-time uh, era of, like, the 40s and 50s. Like I said, it was kind of like a mashup of different genres. It was kind of like that really fun movie serial that used to be in, like, the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah. Well, Mark, what about you? Like, what uh, what do you think Star Wars' uh, biggest impact on the film industry has been? Probably the marketing. I mean, you, you can't go anywhere without seeing something Star Wars or anything that's film-related. I mean, it's just... It's pushed a, a, a concept of branding everything. Yeah, um, funny story is uh, back in March, uh, Mark and I were... Uh, we went to the Lexington Comic Con, which if you guys and gals have not been... It was a fantastic time, but uh, we stopped at uh, Bucky's, and Mark made the comment that uh, I think you and I were searching the whole store to see if we can find one Star Wars item in there, because you can find them in gas stations, but unfortunately, I don't think we found anything, did we? Um, I don't think so. I bet I bet there was something Grogu in there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. We just probably missed it. There's so much stuff in you know, a gas station, for God's sakes. Mm. So. Yeah. But... That's how Lucas made all his millions, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So. I think now uh, the Star Wars uh, saga was kind of like the f- early, uh, I'd say the godfather of, like, the film industry now where they're so reliant on franchises. Yeah. Yeah, I think that franchises have kind of a negative connotation now just because it's like, oh, it's just another one of those. But, I mean, the first trilogy of Star Wars and even the prequel trilogy, like, it has, like we were talking about before, staying power. It's just, it appeals to everyone. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has made it also, like, where they've, you know, bashed the older films. They've gotten so much media out there that they've redeemed themselves by adding more content to their storyline. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, world building. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when you mentioned, like, the, the prequel or the original trilogy versus the, uh, the sequels and the prequels. That was my last question before we dug into like the, the topic of the day is um, what do you guys, why haven't the sequels and the prequels like lived up to the standard of the, the original trilogy? Uh, like the original trilogy, like has always been thought of as like very fondly amongst fans and even moviegoers, but the prequels and the sequels kind of have a little bit of uh, toxicity amongst the fan base. And like, why, like why haven't, they done a good job of like living up to the standard of the originals. I think it also return, depends who you talk to, Russ, because there are people that grew up with the prequels, so they 
that's their movies. That's their Star Wars. And the reason they're different is because George Lucas made them, what, 30 years later or 20 years later? That's George Lucas, like, his perspective then and now. It changed over 20 years, so we got a different feel of, the, you know, his film. Mm-hmm. So, and I, by Revenge of the Sith, he started making a movie that we wanted to see and not so much what he wanted to make. You know, you could tell that by the way the film was just done. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's not a bad thing. It was just, and George even said, why would I make more Star Wars movies? Nobody likes them. They, they complain about them. <laughs> so, well, and, the, the, you know, that's the advent of the internet occurring and people having to be able to complain about everything, what they yeah. don't like. So, I, okay, okay, so I was talking to my wife about this. There they she's like, well, yeah, if you talk about the first movie, she's like, nobody likes Jar Jar Binks. I said, well, yeah, but if I'm an eight-year-old kid, I'm going to like Jar Jar Binks a little bit. But she's like, why did they add him? I said, it's kid-friendly. It's fun. You know, is it what somebody of my age when I was 30 when I saw it that I did, did I want in my Star Wars movie? Not so much. Well, not every yeah. eight-year-old kid likes Jar Jar. Uh, when I showed my son these when he was younger, he thought that character sucked too. Well, yeah. <laughs> But your kid's also seen a lot. Of, he's been exposed to a lot more, you know, stuff since that's been out. I would imagine. Well, at Plus the time, he was like, sure. I I introduced him to Star Wars when he was five, and he really wasn't in like watching movies too much. But I know he had like a run where he was really into that universe. Mm-hmm. So I showed him the movies in order, and yeah, he did not care for Jar Jar. Yeah, you you got to show him four, five, six first, and then go back. Oh, I mean, yeah, he loves four, five, and six. So, I think there's Eddie Izzard uh, um, stand up about that. It's like four, five, six, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, so I, I did that. I did that with my kids. I showed them the originals first before they watched the old ones. But my kids, um, oh, my two oldest aren't really into it so much. They know Dad is, but um, my my stepson loves it. Maddie's. She's a twelve-year-old. She don't care. Mm. Yeah. No twelve-year-old cares about anything. <laughs> She's a TikTok mas- master, or sorry, TikTok master. So, <laughs> unpopular opinion. I like the Gungans as a whole, not so much Jar Binks, but I don't mind them. I just Jar Jar Binks is kind of a a very annoying character. But it I mean, kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit. I told my wife. I said the actor got some redemption when you, if you watch The Mandalorian, but I don't know if you've seen it, so... Jesus Christ, Mark, do you get a fucking dollar for every time you mention The Mandalorian? <laughs> it's I? about the movies. I know, it's still <laughs> Star Wars. Alright, we're going to start talking about Andor now, and Obi-Wan, and... The Book of Boba Fett, which Adam has told me is basically a uh, local government procedural drama. It is. Sounds about right. So I have no interest in watching that. Well, Adam, like, what, like, what do you think though? Like, why have, for the most part, it seems like Fox and even now Disney have seemed to have missed the mark on these Star Wars movies that they put out. It's like uh, George Lucas even said it. It's like catching lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. Uh, when he did Menace. He said they're never going to outdo Titanic. It's one of those things where it's a it's a one time thing, right? It's uh, they put it out there. It's new. It's fresh. Uh, everybody likes it. It's very very seldom that you're going to do that twice mm. or three times, four times. So, 
albeit 10 times. Well, or yeah. Or 11 times. 11, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so trying to do that more than once, I think, is a fool's errand, really. The original trilogy was a singular story. It was cohesive. It was um, about Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker's redemption. That that was the story, you know. And then all of his uh, friends and the rebels and beating the Empire. Uh, good versus evil. And so going into the prequel trilogy, you're presented with a new story, uh, albeit uh, related to the original trilogy. So... When you go into it, you're expecting, oh, okay, well, this is going to be this is going to be related, so I'm going to go in with expectations, and that's when you have your problem is you go in with expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody is expecting lightning in a bottle again. It's not going to happen. So, uh, and I think Mark has something uh, going uh, there with what Star Wars you grew up with is your favorite Star Wars. Now, I highly doubt that. Any kid nowadays that's growing up with this sequel trilogy is going to be like, oh, man, those are the best ones, but... Yeah, probably uh, not. The gear, the, this geared toward a sort of also sense of a uh, retro love for the movies, too, which is what they were trying to do, so... Yeah, I think that uh, uh, the Disney trilogy has its own um, kind of fault, where Disney's trying to milk the cash cow, and it's all dried up, so... I, th- I think also, like, Lucas explained this to us once. Like, he said he's never going to watch Solo because he didn't want to know the answer. Yeah. You know, so we see 4, 5, and 6, and we don't really need the answer to the Force, but Episode 1 gives us an answer. But we didn't really want it or need it. You know, I explained something that's already, you know, mystical yeah. enough to make us appreciate it. So, Right. You don't you don't need an explanation for, for something that you... Uh... It's like it's like finding out that uh, the Wizard of Oz is behind the curtain, right? Right. It, it's disappointing. So you don't want to know the backstory behind. It. Mm. So. Well, if you guys were in charge of making the movies, like, what would you do to fix them? Because I know, like, they went back with uh, Episode Nine. It seemed like they tried to listen to the fans too much, and I think it really hurt Episode Nine quite a bit because it seems to be a very jumbled mess. Nobody listens to the fans when it came to that movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you what I would do right right now. I, I wouldn't make it about the Skywalkers at all. I wouldn't even... Maybe there's a Jedi in it because of Star Wars, but I wouldn't make it about the same thing. That's, that's the problem. They're trying to milk money. Cash cow. They're trying to catch that same lightning in a bottle. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Make a new story. Something that people want to see. Well, Mark, what about you? If you were in charge of the Star Wars universe, what would you do to fix it? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, go back in time, remake the movies. If um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, there was a series called um, Heir to the Empire. The, this book series, three parts. Um, it introduced the Admiral Thrawn, Thrawn character, and the books were written in just the tone of Star Wars. They were perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm re-listening to them on audio tape, and I'm like, well, why did they not make these movies? It was a much better storyline than what we got. And it's something Lucas should have said, wait a minute, this isn't bad. Now, those aren't considered canon, are they? I, I They are not. I know they've talked about some stuff is, some stuff isn't, but those are not canon, right? No. They, they have taken uh, massive the Admiral, elements. The Admiral Thrawn character will be 
um, has been in the animated Rebels. He'll be in the Ahsoka series in, in August. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's so well written as this character that people really love so much. Yeah. It's just it was done it was done perfect. I mean, it was like if you're going to do Star Wars, and it's not by George Lucas, this needs to be it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But, and and yeah. those Tim, are, are Timothy Zahn. If I remember his name, but. It was perfect. He wrote two two more Thrawn novels after that that I haven't read, but um, and those are stories that are uh, that are different from what they were trying to do. Just like I was saying, those are those are stories that are creative in their own sense. Uh, yeah, they had the same tone. They take place in the same universe, but they're a different story. They're not the same thing that we're right. seeing. It, the thing was about those that they made sense the way they went. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like Rise of Skywalker, you know, okay, this is it, but did it make a lot of sense? No. No. I think Chad GPT could have written a better Rise of Skywalker script than whoever. You know what? I'll I'll try that later on and I'll I'll send you guys what Chat GPT decides. Just because I'm curious. I I'll I'll do that here in a little while. I'm actually <laughs> curious now too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And then we'll just run it. Well, we'll run it by Disney. See what they say. Which they are. Uh, I've seen that they are releasing a new. Is it a new trilogy of movies, or is it just one with Ray? Trilogy is what I've heard. I know. For it's me, I personally, I am not to the moon excited for that. <laughs> that prospect. I'm, I'm to the point to where I might not go see them on the first day. It's just uh, uh, Disney Star Wars hasn't been cohesive enough for me do you think it's the fact that disney has saturated the marketplace with them so much because we were accustomed to having a new star wars movie every three years when the original trilogy came out it was three years you had to wait when the prequels came out it was three years and then uh now that disney has the property which i I mean it makes sense you want to try to get the most out of your investment but i mean it it's kind of like with marvel right now it's just it's too much they're they're doing it with all of their franchises and i think it's it's a detriment to the them right now. And apparently the uh, Yes and no. I mean, like you said, you won't go see him for day one. I'll go see him day one. If it's Star Wars, it's in the theater, I'm gonna go. I mean I mean I'm gonna see what they're gonna give me. Bad or good, I mean I'm gonna appreciate the fact that somebody actually made the effort to do it. Is it gonna be crap? Um, I mean it's gonna have some quality. The Disney's gonna put out like a good product at least. Is it a story we want to see? Well, at this point, it's a story I've not heard of. Do I care? Well, make me care, you know, more so. That That's the thing is they have to make you care, and, and I think that they've shown with the uh, sequel trilogy that um, they were more concerned with uh, uh, box office numbers and, and, like, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but recently The Last Jedi has become my favorite movie of the trilogy i was actually going to just say that same thing like i revisited that a few months ago and i respect the hell out of ryan johnson for taking a chance and doing something different yeah the the first one was just a complete rehash of a new hope it hit all the right notes for me though i i adore the force awakens yeah it's it's safe right because even george lucas has said you know it's poetry it rhymes you know his his famous line but but it, it's a safe movie, and then Ryan Johnson takes it to a different place. There are certain things in that movie that I would definitely do differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the pacing is all off, but it's still the best movie of the trilogy because he tried to do something different. And I, I appreciate everybody complains about how, uh, how grumpy Luke Skywalker is, but uh, I appreciate that because, you know, he failed so much. Uh, his father died. Yeah, he saved him, but now he has to rebuild this thing that he's the only one of, and he has to, you know, gather all these lost and, and broken Jedi that have fleed Order 66, and now he has to create this uh, new Jedi Order. And then all of it comes crumbling down when his best friend's son decides to uh, you know, go to the dark side, and part of it's his fault because he saw darkness in him. He would be angry, you know, and he was going to try and and uh, teach Ray a little bit about the dark side too in that movie, which I appreciate even more now because he's supposed to bring balance to the Force, right? He's you know he's the son of Anakin Skywalker. He's going to be maybe a gray Jedi. And I think Ryan Johnson was kind of hinting at that, and that was cool to me because it's like, okay, you can't have balance without light and dark, mm. which is really awesome. And then they backpedaled on everything in Rise of Skywalker. It just makes me think that Disney was just milking the cash cow, and I'm I'm just so disappointed. Yeah, that that is fan service. That's all that movie was. Yeah, I never understood the criticism of the grumpy Luke Skywalker. It's almost like they expected him to turn around and have like the the TV dad, like the hey neighbor. <laughs> but I never understood that criticism. I mean, I I get it, but yeah, like I've I've become more fond of the Last Jedi in recent months. Mark, you're like you're getting ready to say something. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. It's been a while since I've watched it, so um. I mean, I've I've seen people on the internet talk about it, and they they get they get at them the same thing, you know. But everything they put out lately has a different tone. It doesn't. It, it's like Disney's kind of went okay, so we have this problem, but they've given us different attitudes to all their all their new properties, and or was loved by a lot of people that are hardcore fans. But it's a good story. Um, yeah. The Obi Wan thing was just phenomenal. Yeah, that was really so, good. Oh yeah. oh yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, and I told somebody, I said, I really don't want a second season. I don't need it. I've gotten what I wanted out of this, but of course they'll give us another one because, you know, I and then the, the Mandalorian gives us all the little bits that we kind of wanted, but we didn't know we want. So, and we'll I, we'll see we'll see if that whole thing becomes a thing when Dave Filoni puts the movie out of that. So, do you think that uh, Disney would be well served to put like a like kind of like Marvel has with Kevin Feige is like somebody just to oversee everything and just have a singular vision or that's Kathleen Kennedy already. Yeah, well, I mean, somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> uh, Kathleen Kennedy has seen the light, and she's she's said, "Oh, it doesn't work when we have old characters that we have to shoehorn in. Maybe we should do some new characters." And she's finally gotten what everybody's been saying for the past, you know, I don't know how many years Disney has had Lucasfilm now. So, you know, maybe she's converted and she's let people that know what they're doing uh, do what they do best because Andor seems okay. So, uh, and but uh, Andor's like so far from all the, like everything else. It's, 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 it's so the other way that it's really, really good and it's a great. 
it's not so much a Star Wars story per se as it's just a great drama. I, mm-hmm. I've I've often said that if you take that story and put it in just a generic sci-fi world, it still works. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the way a lot of stories should work, though. Yeah, and I think that's uh, finally Kathleen Kennedy has gotten gotten the message, and Disney has gotten the message. So maybe the newer trilogy that's coming out will be good. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it seems like they've allowed like people to kind of take more chances in the TV world. So maybe yeah. maybe they'll let somebody have some free reign in the movie well, universe. It, it, the, the reason they're going to put the movies out is because they know it's more. It's, more it's, a, better, it, it's a better financial gain, really, mm-hmm. than, yeah. than the, the TV shows. Because, um, like, if you have noticed, like they haven't put a lot of their big features on Disney Plus lately. They're waiting finally. Yeah, yeah. It's just dropping them like right away. Like, like um, when Wakanda Forever came out on like physical, it came out on Disney Plus at the same time. Well, they had to lose their shirts on making the physical media. I mean, that's just. And there was some, you know, there's some cash cow there, but some if if they're gonna wait, they should. Yeah. Well, streaming's not really seems like it's not the loss leader they were hoping it would be. A lot of companies would oh, yeah. seem to be taking a bath on programming anymore for that yeah oh well good stuff guys uh but let's get into the meat and potatoes of this um we were discussing how to frame this episode i think we decided not to do we ranked the movies because that's been done to death um characters was an interesting idea maybe we'll save that for uh down the road but uh we decided to give you our Five favorite moments in the Star Wars movie universe. Uh, not talking about TV shows, Mark. So, calm down. You've got your three dollars from Disney for the Mandalorian today. That's five dollars. Uh, did you mention it five times? I fell asleep when you start talking about the Mandalorian, Mandalorian again. Mandalorian. All right, Mark. Now you got enough to get you a value meal at McDonald's. All right, but we're gonna pick our five favorite moments from the Star Wars movie universe. So, uh, Mark, I'll let you lead off. Just give us your five and. Why you picked those particular five? I mean, I picked a few when I showed you guys my list, but uh, and I, I rewatched a little bit. I, I I think I enjoyed the Luke and Obi Wan scene in the and Obi Wan's home on Tatooine because I think it it's our first introduction to the Force, you know, and everything and this lightsaber and it's just it's that moment where you get the aha moment, like I I got all this new stuff, you know, it's the it's the initial lightning in the bottle, if you will. So what's the force? You know, it, it, it creates that mystery. Plus you get, um, help me, Obi-Wan, that sort of thing, too. That was just, that uh, that sequence is really good. It's memorable, too, so. Um, yeah. I think, of course, um, the Darth Vader revealing to Luke that he has his father's probably number two, because it... That's a surprise. Spoiler, yeah, whatever. If you don't know by now, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Oh, Mark, we, we don't give a fuck about spoilers. I know, I know. I'm but, just playing. But, I mean, you all, like, in eighty in 1980, and we saw it, we were like, you know, you guys grew up with you. Did you know before you saw the movie that he was his father? Yeah, I did. Uh, I don't think I did. You don't think you did? Okay, good for you. That so, was a big reveal. Well, I had seen Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. To before Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, and then, um, I, I liked the end of Return of the Jedi when Luke 
throws the saber down and says, You failed, your highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. I mean, it was like that whole, this is what he was striving to become. And he proves it to himself and to the Emperor at that point in time. Mm. And then it obviously cuts to another scene, but it was really good. Because it was, at one point, it was probably the best lightsaber fight, like emotionally, in the series. Prior to a lot of the things that you'd seen before, Luke and Vader going at it, knowing the truth of everything. Or whatever, whatever it is, uh, assumed truths or whatever. Um, yeah. We jump... 16 years later, and we get this fight between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan. That whole thing was just... You, you, you know, as a kid, you see these lightsaber fights, and as I was a kid, I'd go out back with my friends, and we'd fight each other with sticks and, you know, make the lightsaber noises. But then you see um, uh, Phantom Menace, and they have this long, drawn-out lightsaber fight. Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, you get oh, my God, this is what they can really do with this stuff and using the force the way it should be used. And it also shows us why, because uh, um, you get a great, this is what Lucas was good at, he made this great like figure out of Darth Maul, like it was posters all over the place. And what does Obi-Wan do? Cuts him in half. Yeah. You know, kills off his, his best market piece, but then people were like, oh, I hated that. And I had a, a friend that was a big, like he dressed up as Darth Maul to the, to the show, and I went. Yeah, mine did too. I was like, do you not understand what just happened? He goes, what? I said, that dude was killed by motherfucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, he was the baddest mofo in the galaxy at the time. It makes perfect sense. I said, if that doesn't happen, I mean, it's, it's great. So, um, and then, like, I, I like the um, Obi-Wan and Anakin duel in Revenge of the Sith. That's probably also one of the best lightsaber fights, like, like, shot. You know, every scene in that thing was perfect. I mean, it all looked like it should be, look, look good. I mean, of course, we get the whole I'm on the high ground sort of thing at the end. It kind of goes, okay, well, I might sort of forget what I just saw, but it was pretty amazing. It was just phenomenal. It was taking everything we saw in the last three movies and going, okay, this is what we can really do with the lightsaber fight in this, like, pretty awesome setting. So, um... Last one I think I'm going to go with is probably when Han and Chewie get back on the, the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's from a kid that grew up in 1977 watching Star Wars as much as I could, and then having them go back on the ship, it was like, it literally was like going home. Chewie, we're home. You know, there's, there's nothing to say more than that. It was just perfect. You, but you're also like going, why did they even happen? But then you go, kind of go, eh, Han's dumb enough to lose a lose a Falcon to something, you know? <laughs> He's going to get in that kind of trouble. So it's like, oh, whatever. Mm. But it was just, it was great. It was great, warm feeling that you felt where this movie, even though the movie is like Adam said, it's rehash, but it's still, I'm, you know, I'm back where I need to be. Hey, good stuff. But what about you, Adam? Uh, first couple of ones are going to be from my favorite movie, uh, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I know it's the it's the choice of most people, but that's I think uh, that's why we decided not to do. Like, at least that's why I was like against doing the movies because I think universally Empire is going to be number one, and most likely most people are going to have a New Hope at number two. So not really yeah. a lot of intrigue unless you want to like 
dumpster dive at the the worst ones, which. Oh, you know that Rise of Skywalker is everybody's favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, so my number one is going to be uh, when uh, Yoda pulls the X-Wing out of the swamp. Mm-hmm. You know, where Luke says, I don't, I don't believe it. That is why you fail. It's just uh, one of those moments where you uh, kind of learn the ways of the force. It's, it's Luke learning the ways of the force, and you're learning along with him. And it's just really cool to to see like this little green guy doing what you know Luke Skywalker can't. It just pulls you into that mysticism of the force even more. And then uh, second favorite uh, moment in Star Wars is uh, from the same movie. Um, it's the entire Bespin sequence where where Luke is going to save his friends. I kind of like the fact that Star the Empire Strikes Back uh, is um, just a downbeat uh, where the heroes lose. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like those kind of movies it, just because you go in expecting the heroes to win, right? And then when the filmmakers like, no, the heroes aren't going to win this time. Uh, it's just a it's a surprise. And so like that entire Bespin sequence is kind of that way. It's like okay. Uh, Luke, how's Luke gonna save Han Solo? He's frozen in carbonite. How's Luke gonna fight Darth Vader and win? He hasn't completed his training. And then his whole back and forth with uh, Darth Vader. I mean, that's his dad, you know. But we don't we don't figure it out until like halfway through. But just that whole back and forth is like the Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Just. Darth Vader playing with him. It, it seems like he's just playing with him almost. And uh, then finally revealing like, oh, by the way, you're my kid and we're going to try and take over the galaxy. I want you to join me. I think that uh, that was uh, pretty much the the bulk of the uh, the movie there is just that's what it, it crescendoed to. And so I'm going to cheat and say that entire Bespin sequence is my favorite. The, the best part of what you just said, too, and I just thought about it, is that you, him failing at Yoda at, with Yoda foreshadows the entire Bespin thing, too. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. Um, and he kind of has to uh, accept that his disbelief is, you know, his downfall at, at that point. And even Yoda tells him, like, if you go, you're, you're not going to win. And he doesn't listen. Um, I think it, it makes you like Luke for wanting to help his friends because that's a good quality in somebody. You know, I don't care if I'm going to lose. I'm going to go try. I think that... Uh, it's what makes him the hero. Right. But it also shows you that um, failure is the best T-shirt, too. And I think that's a, a really good theme of that movie. And probably why it resonates so well with people. My uh, my third favorite is the uh, Maul and Obi Wan fight, especially after Igon Jin uh, dies. All gets stabbed, anyways. Uh, he doesn't die until later. But um, that whole sequence, just uh, like Mark was saying, it just shows us what lightsaber fights can be like. The moment that Darth Maul lights the second end of his lightsaber up, it's just it's phenomenal. It, it's one of those moments as uh, I was nine when the movie came out and the youngest of all three of us but as a kid that's cool <laughs> yeah that was it's very like, cool double lightsaber what <laughs> I can't believe neither one of you said anything about duel of the fates yet yeah so that music I was actually gonna get into that that music is so epic 
You know, do you uh, know that MTV, like, they released a music video for it, and uh, during TRL, which was, like, this, for people that don't know, was this big, like, show, like, a, the flagship show of MTV for a while where people could vote on music videos, like, and they had a top ten. It was, like, a big deal if your favorite artist got on the top ten, and they debuted the video for that song on TRL. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's one of my stories when I tell people when they ask about when I saw episode one, I said, well, I saw it four times in the first day. They're like, what? I said, well, I said, the first time I saw it, uh, you know, I saw the Jar Jar character went crazy, but then I got the lightsaber fight. That was great. You know, I saw it the second time, and I asked myself, okay, this has to get better. You know, but, oh, there's the lightsaber fight again. I'm happy again. I admittedly slept about ten minutes in the third viewing because it had been a long day, but there's the lightsaber fight at the end. It's the same thing. I'll watch the movie, but I know I'm going to get the, the payoff at the end. It's totally worth it. I think that uh, Phantom Menace gets a bad rap for being a bad movie in that trilogy, but um, I think it's safe to say that uh, Attack of the Clones with its terrible writing and, and love story in there, that has to be in there because, you know, we have Luke and Leia later on. Um, I think that uh, I think that the Phantom Menace is actually going back and watching it after the trilogy's out, and it's been a while. The Phantom Menace is actually one of the stronger movies in that trilogy. Uh, it's a pretty close second to Revenge of the Sith in that sense. I mean, yeah, it has Jar Jar. I mean, I, we get a pod race that's really cool. We get the lightsaber fight that's really cool. We get introduced to all these new characters, and most of which are pretty cool. I think that the big gripe about episode one is Jar Jar Binks and the way that he throws off the pacing of that movie, but it's an okay movie to me. Well, I, I think mean, sometimes too, like it's a bit dry with all the political stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I think for, for me, the reason why it, it always weighs down for me is the fact that I was looking forward so much to seeing, I mean like when I came out in 99, my math is right. Yeah. Yeah. 99. So yeah. I had to wait, what, 16 16 years. Yeah, 16 years. Thank you, Mark. Um, 16 years for a new Star Wars movie and just was completely let down. That is the example that I use to this day on why I never get super excited about anything coming out to the movie theater. Yeah. I my temper expectations no matter what because of the letdown I experienced during The Phantom Menace. Yeah. It's more of an exposition, um, less of a, an adventure movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Duel of Fates and lightsaber battle. That's really still cool. that's still an awesome awesome piece. The Duel when, of Fates. When the rise of when the rise of Skywalker trailers were out and they used the Duel of Fates in the trailers, I was totally hyped. I'm gonna admit it. I was like, oh man, Duel of Fates. Also, as yeah. I'm like, oh fuck, this might be good. And then, yeah. of course, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So my next one, I'm going to go with the, uh, not necessarily the lightsaber battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan, which is phenomenal. Um, I'm going to be a little bit different than Mark, though, because he already used it. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Anakin's transition from Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader. I think that uh, George Lucas wanted it to be slow, and I think that um, he kind of uh, let it go a little bit too, he let it burn a little bit too slow in Attack of the Clones. It was kind of kind of dragging there, but he, he seemed more like an angsty, uh, angry, annoyed teenager uh, in that movie. But uh, in Revenge of the Sith, like it was, you know, we're gonna flip this and we're gonna we're gonna make it 
the train go way downhill uh and like he's he kills younglings like he he gets the uh the whole orange uh and red eyes kind of thing going and basically anakin um, says fuck them kids and just goes on a spree oh yeah <laughs> actually my brother-in-law just sent me a meme today it was uh the whole um uh young jedi adventures uh tv show he's like season one and then it shows like the uh the happy Jedi and then it's the final season and it's the kids in the, uh, in the chamber hiding from, uh, all the clone troopers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the final season. <laughs> I saw the thing drop on Disney plus and I went, okay, is this what we're going to get in between? Fine, whatever. But I don't, I'm not going to watch it <laughs> unless I'm but, really, uh, really bored. But, uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the whole transition from, uh, Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader, was uh, done really well in that movie. It shows really well how somebody uh, can get something in their head and then just abandon everything and um, and go towards that goal because they think they're going to lose everything, but they end up being the reason why everything is lost. I think that's really cool. And plus, you know, my favorite character later. So, which leads me into my last one, which. I kind of it's it's not in order I guess this one's really good is uh, the Rogue One scene um, at the end where uh, Vader prepares a boarding party and he goes to get the uh, the plans from the rebels <laughs> and he eviscerates everybody in that hallway which is really really I think I had the biggest grin on my face when that lightsaber lit up. I actually had that on my list at one point too, but I had it described as uh, Vader goes ham on the rebels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is a really cool, and uh, I mean, like it, it shows uh, how Vader is the most feared uh, being in the galaxy at that point. Like you, you hear about uh, how scary Vader is in A New Hope, and then you're like, well, he's in, he's you know, really strong, and he's can choke his own guys, but he's not like you know super. Sc- I, I wasn't scared of him as a kid. I was like, he's kind of cool. It's a bad guy, but yeah, like he that stands around a lot. It was pretty neat. Yeah, that show that that scene shows how scary he can be. Mm-hmm. He 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 can go through a whole army of people without even batting an eye, which I mean he probably can't because it's in a helmet. But that's besides the point. Now, I will say that's one thing I will give Disney credit for is like they've really shown like the menacing side of Darth Vader between Rogue One and then even in Obi One. Yeah. And I like the fact that they held him back in Rogue One too, uh, even in Obi Wan. Like they didn't. I think that it. When you think about Darth Vader, it's like okay, we want to use him in every scene because he's cool, you know. But I think they did a good job of like, okay, we're gonna hold him back until it's important enough, and then we're gonna have Darth Vader here. They they kind of sprinkled Darth Vader in there, you know. Mm. Vader it, dust. It, yeah, when he, when he's on screen, it's cool. So it's it's special when he's on screen still because it's not it's not that often. Plus, it's kind of a nice way to tie, like, the original trilogy to Rogue One together, too. Oh, yeah. I, I like, actually, I think one of the uh, behind-the-scenes things I watched about Rogue One uh, was stating, like, the entire idea behind uh, Director Krennic was uh, somebody on uh, the writing uh, team was watching A New Hope and saw an empty chair at the, uh, the meeting that they were having. And they're like, okay, who sat in that chair? Why is it empty? And then they just created the character from there. Very cool. Well, is uh, that conclude the top five? I think it does. Awesome uh, list, I, man. I, uh, yeah, let's have yours. Oh, 
Um, pretty much a lot of the stuff uh, you guys already touched on. Uh, number one is uh, Han uh, getting dipped into carbonite, the whole exchange with Leia beforehand. I just think it's just such a cool way to uh, address. Uh, I mean, first off, Leia, basically, like, she feels that, like, Han's going to die. So she basically reveals how she feels about him. And then he just, his pip-ass way of saying, I know. I just, I love that. Yeah. It just shows you, like, kind of how cool, like, Han Solo is. And Han Solo is my favorite character in the movies anyway, so... Plus, it, uh, it leaves you on a cliffhanger. You didn't have the internet to rely on. So, like, when I was a kid, oh, like, fuck, is he going to die for real? And we all know that that was what he wanted, which they didn't end up following through with originally. But, yeah, I mean, like, as a kid, like, fuck, they're going to kill him off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I was watching him for the first time, I, I didn't think he was going to survive. No. Um, and I almost put, as another one of my scenes, is uh, the uh, the skiff scene from Return of the Jedi where they – they planned the bit like basically they they escape from his skiff and Boba Fett falls into the the pit and didn't quite make Such the cut but that was a very cool scene that's my favorite scene in Jedi yeah um I have as number two the Darth Vader reveal that he's Luke's father uh I think that's one of the things I really liked about Empires it's a cliffhanger it's just a giant cliffhanger you get like okay how does this story go now with Luke and Darth Vader. Is Han going to die? What happens to the Rebels? It, like you touched on earlier, like, movies don't end like that. It's such a cool twist. Yeah. I think that might be why I like uh, Infinity War better than Endgame too. But Oh, it, it, it's it's so nice to see something that's not predictable. Mm. And we'll, we'll save the Avengers talk for another episode. Um, I went a little different. Um, going with one of the new movies, uh, when uh, Han confronts Kylo Ren... It's too late. No, it's not. Leave here with me. Come home. We miss you. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, such a gut-wrenching scene. And uh, it got spoiled for me like hours before the movie started. Wasn't <laughs> uh, that, uh, that Matt at work? No, um, I, I'll just be uh, transparent here. I used to be part of a... Uh, a group on Facebook that uh, you could buy and sell uh, the digital copies out of Blu-rays. And somebody had messaged the entire group and said that, hey, I have these movies for trade. And then once you scroll down the list, it was like this huge list. And, you know, you're just scrolling through to see what all he has. And at the end, it has Han dies and it shows the scene where Kylo Ren Stabs Han Solo with the lightsaber because uh, it had premiered a few hours before uh, overseas, so they got to see it first before we did. Yeah, and that's a bummer. That guy got kicked out of that group. I hope. I think he did, but I just still though. I mean, like I was even though I knew it was going to happen, it still like is a gut punch when it, it does happen because you really hope yeah, that you really hope that they're going to reconnect and then they don't. And it's like yeah. I think that was how the audience knew like, okay, Kylo Ren's like a hundred percent a Sith now, or he's like, he's on board with this way of thinking now. And he may come yeah. back. He may not. Um, I had the Anakin Obi-Wan uh, lightsaber battle. I like that one a little bit better than I do the one in Phantom Menace simply because it's, there's a lot more emotion in this scene. It's like basically yeah. like two brothers fighting against each other to the death. You know, like he doesn't want to kill him, but I think that, 
this could happen, and it's just that emotional pull kind of gives it the slight edge over the uh, the one in Phantom Menace. Still awesome lightsaber battles, though. And it, uh, really fluid looking, too. Like, they seem to be kind of clumsy in, in the older movies. They seem to be very lightning quick and f- fluid, yeah. and it, it looked like a legitimate, like, these guys know what the fuck they're doing. Uh George Lucas was always like, oh, the, the lightsabers, are, they have, like, a lot of power in them, so you need to use two hands. And it was, he uh, he mirrored the, the fighting style after Samurai. And uh, we all know as audience members that he didn't have the budget to hire, you know, cool um, choreographed fights. So <laughs> that was his excuse. I mean, I could buy uh, Alec Guinness wielding a lightsaber at the speed that he does because, what, he was in his 70s when he did this movie? Yeah. I mean, he could have been 45 for all I know. Actors aged a lot differently back then than they do now. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Luke Skywalker, though, should have been a little bit yeah. quicker on the they, draw. They got, they got better as the movies progressed. For um, I have uh, Luke blows up the Death Star. That's a very iconic scene in the movie, too. Plus, I really enjoyed everything leading up to that. I really like dog fighting in like, like World War II movies, involved oh, like yeah. planes, and I guess another aspect of Star Wars I think works. It it borrows a lot from like World War II movies. Mm-hmm. So I really like just the dog fighting in that, and then you know, Luke says, "You know what? Fuck it. I don't need this this guiding system. I'll just do it myself," and fucking blows it up. And that that first one is so much better than the second one too, because all of those independent contractors that die on the second Death Star. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's see. I got. I think that was my five. They bring that up in the Mandalorian too. <laughs> yeah. All the independent contractors. Yep. Yeah. Man, Kevin Smith has quite the reach for clerks. <laughs> I bet Watto had it for sale in his shop, like this DVD of Clerks. <laughs> My trick's gonna work on me. Only money. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I had a bonus one. Uh, I really do like the Ray and Kylo Ren uh, battle in the uh, uh, the room in uh, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I thought that was yeah. a really good fight scene as well. Well choreographed. Yeah, so that one, and then, like, yeah, Adam, you stole the the Vader just destroying everybody in Rogue One. That was a really cool scene, too. But that's my five. But there's so many to choose from, it was hard to to pick. But, I mean, it seemed like we all kind of ended up with kind of similar things. But a little different, so that was kind of cool. No favorite yeah. from Solo? You know what? I think Solo is a very underrated movie. I actually like that movie. I like it a lot, too, Adam, so... Fun. It gets a bad rap. It's, I and I think it's just people like expecting Harrison Ford when it's not Harrison Ford. No. It wasn't even that for me. I, I just think it it wasn't necessary. I didn't enjoy the characters. Like they they were expendable to me. If they died, they died. And we all know that Han Solo and Chewie don't die. So, eh, it was okay. Um, I will say that I, if they recap, if like Mark suggested they remake Star Wars, I think Donald Glover would be a perfect Lando Calrissian. Oh, oh yeah, no, he he was by far the best thing about that. They, well, they need they need to do definitely a TV show of that. That would be good. Yeah. Well, I think the problem with Solo is the 
I think the uh, the guys that did the Lego movie were involved in it for a while, then they quit, and then Ron Howard came in to finish yeah. the movie. And those are very two very different styles of filmmaking. Ron Howard is the very safe, formulatic director, which nothing wrong with that. Ron Howard's made some awesome movies, but he's kind of a safe choice, whereas, you know, I was expecting a little something out of the box with the, uh, was that Phil and Chris Lord? I think of the two guys that did that. Oh, I still enjoy it though. I and Chris Miller. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I still like Solo. I think it's it's it gets a bad rap, but I think it's just it's Han Solo is such an iconic character. You are right, Adam. It's an unnecessary movie, but I mean, I don't hate it for existing. Yeah. I think the biggest draw of Han Solo for me is the fact that you know he's the uh, he's the guy in the bar that they go to to you know get off the planet he's the mysterious space pirate you know Mm -hmm. um and then you don't need any backstory to that because he's already cool enough oh yeah i mean he's got the he's got the coolest introduction i mean he basically is getting strong-armed in a bar and then depending on which version you watch he either shoots the bounty hunter first or kills him in self-defense and and uh he has the cool ship like that's the iconic ship of Star Wars, right? So, and he kind of has wrong. like he's not. Uh, I think what why I gravitate towards him so much is the fact that he he kind of puts on this persona that he's only out for himself, but deep down, he really he you know he cares yeah. about what's going on and the cause that they're fighting for. Right, he's the uh, he, the he's reluctant the, like hero, scoundrel. Right. He's a scoundrel. He's an earthbreaker. <laughs> earthbreaker. And I think everybody, like, as a kid, you were either a Han Solo kid or a Luke Skywalker kid. I was always the Han Solo kid. Yeah, I think I was more Luke Skywalker than Han Solo, but I, I really, really like Han Solo. Like, I don't think that it works without one or the other. So, And plus, Han Solo has the greatest sidekick in movie history in Chewbacca. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I get a backstory for him. I think I, it, I don't hate Solo. I don't hate it. It's just it's not necessary to watch. I think I I wasted more time watching it than I actually enjoyed. I think now I looking back, it probably would have been better served to be a uh, like a, a short run TV show. Yeah. Versus a movie. Known. It it could have tied in uh, more. Uh, with the other TV shows and showing the uh, uh, factions of um, crime syndicates, especially with the whole uh, uh, small town politics with uh, Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Boba Fett is going to get those potholes fixed. That's the platform <laughs> he's running on. Safer roads for a safer community. All right, uh, one last question for you, gentlemen, before we wrap this up. We just gave you our favorite moments of Star Wars. Uh, what is the worst moment in the Star Wars movie franchise? Mark, I'll lead off with you. Um, worst? Yeah, I was going to say, like, well, there's no, not really a, a worst moment or a bad scene in the movie. No, that's not the point. I don't have a worst moment, though, Russ. If you ask me about Star Wars, I'm like, any Star Wars is better than no Star Wars. Like you said, I had to wait 16 years for another movie. Was it the worst thing I ever seen? No. So I don't. I don't think I have a bad one. I mean, if you're gonna pick a worst, um, the Star Wars Holiday Special, which I saw when it came out. 
I was like a kid, and I'm like, well, what the hell is this? What's going on? Why are they singing? Why aren't they shooting people? You know, so is Life day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be the worst, it's going to be that. And I hate bringing it up, but that's the truth. That's some Star Wars we didn't want ever. So, um, I know for me, it's probably going to be pretty much anything that's not action related in the attack of the clones, especially the love story between. I mean, I know that you it's needed, but I think Wait, I was you? talking to you. I think if you trim most of that out. Attack of the Clones could easily be one of the best Star Wars movies of all time, but... Yeah. No, I I wholeheartedly agree, but are you telling me that you actually like sand? Are you you a sand apologist? Uh, No, sand can can fuck right off. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> actually yeah we we named uh the worst uh scene in the movie after uh that bit of uh juicy dialogue that is uh probably i would count that as the worst line in the entire star wars franchise is i hate sand like he's trying to he's trying to woo this uh you know beautiful senator former queen and he's talking about sand like <laughs> It's also kind of like if you think about it, it's the dumbest thing too. Because like, you hate it, but you drove her, you you drug her back to Tatooine. Why, dude? That's for your mom. But seriously, and you're gonna complain? Ugh. I hate, I hate some. Okay, so it's not a uh, unfavorite. Like it's not the worst moment, but they always go back to Tatooine. Like Luke Skywalker wanted to get off this planet. It's boring. He, you know, his, he was excited about going to get power couplings. <laughs> he wants to get off that thing. Why are we always going back to Tatooine? They must have yeah. an incredible tax break in Tunisia. Probably. <laughs> Come film uh, for free. Well, they, don't, as, they, don't, as, they don't film there anymore. So yeah, it's probably in like that. Tucson, Arizona. Well, no, they use the. Have you watched? Um, okay, yet again with the Mandalorian. Do you know how they film that? Give him a dollar. <laughs> I'm not giving him shit. Disney can fucking handle that. Yeah, I seen the technology <laughs> yes. that they're using now for the Mandalorian, yeah. which is really cool. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, no need for the yeah. practical effects. Even though they probably as far as bad scenes for me though, um, since we've already mentioned the whole I don't like sand and love story, uh, probably um, the explanation of the Emperor being back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Somehow Palpatine returned. Okay, that's all we get. Cool. <laughs> We're going to have to read between the lines now. Come up with your own conclusions. We're just like, <laughs> dude, I just work here. <laughs> so uh, from what I gather from uh, reading extraneous um, uh, now canon uh, Star Wars material, uh, the Emperor that was on Death Star 2 was a clone. He died. And uh, the real emperor was there all along. It's it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and you shouldn't really require your audience to have to do that kind of research either. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. That that's my worst. Uh, but think about it. it. It took him thirty years to make all those stupid ships that they blew up in ten seconds. Yeah, that's true. 
A lot of good people lost their jobs and their lives that day. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was awesome talking to you. Uh, Thanks for coming aboard to talk a little Star Wars. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at thecouchrotatopodcast at gmail.com. And if you like what we're doing here on the show, be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. So... Until next week, we will talk to you guys later. May the force be with you. Always.